creativelyanddeliberately.com, a podcast where we will discuss how to creatively and deliberately make choices that give life meaning. I am your host, Annette Hansen. Thanks for joining me. The other day at my mother's house, we had spent some time looking at her photo albums. I flipped to the pages where my school photos were, and I saw that dreaded picture. The one I always hated. It was my first grade picture. Most people like their adorable first grade pictures. Not me. I pointed to my six-year-old self and finally said to my mother, Why would you ever cut my bangs that short? Now, envision a young brunette with tight piggy tails and straight bangs barely poking a few inches past the top of her head. That was me. My mom said to me, you cut your hair that way, and I tried my best to fix it. What? Seriously, it took my breath away. I freaked out. All these years, I thought it was my mother who had cut my bangs short. I can't tell you what this new insight did to me. It was profound. Here I thought that hated hairdo was my mom's fault. She pointed to the kindergarten picture next to it and said, that's the length I cut your bangs. This picture actually was cute with perfectly shaped bangs. I had misinterpreted the facts all these years. Which brings me to our topic, irrational beliefs that we might have adopted from an early age without ever knowing it. Dr. Albert Ellis, a well-known psychologist, mentioned how important it is to pay attention to our own personal philosophies of how we perceive life. Here are a few of those that might sound familiar. They generally start with how life must be. I must have an easy, enjoyable life without too much responsibility, or I can't enjoy living at all. I mentioned in my fifth podcast how easy it is to think that sadness or any other negative emotion or pressure shouldn't be part of life, but it is, purposely. This takes me back to the first car accident my oldest daughter had. It was a wintry night and she took the corner too fast and slid on the icy road. In her attempt to correct the car from going into the ditch on her left, she fishtailed and veered too much to the right, slamming straight into the brick mailbox in front of someone else's house. The car was totaled. She couldn't even open the driver's door because it was smashed in. Luckily, she walked away with only a few scrapes and bruises, but it scared her and me. The next few nights, she had an overwhelming appreciation for others in her life. When our lives are threatened, we tend to evaluate life. She did this even at the young age of 17. This negative experience had opened her eyes to what she really did have in life that was good. It's so easy to take things for granted. A month later, I found myself wishing the accident didn't happen because the new replacement car we had bought had quite a few issues the old car didn't. But as I thought about it, I wouldn't want to trade the love and appreciation she had developed because of this scary incident. The accident changed her. Her philosophy had developed into an ability to see how God had placed wonderful people in her life deliberately. I wouldn't want to trade that insight she had gained for anything. So why do we shift into the irrational philosophy that says, I must do well and get the approval of everybody who matters to me, or I'm a worthless person? Think about this. 
Are you going to find someone who agrees with you 100% of the time? Do you agree with someone in your life 100%? I think of my husband because we spend the most time together. We don't agree with each other 100% of the time. Sometimes we don't even agree 20% of the time. In the past, I definitely had fallen into the perception that my husband and I shouldn't disagree or fight. And if we do, then we must not be good for each other. What? Not realistic, is it? But in the heated moment, it's easy to think this irrational way. Life doesn't come from this two-dimensional all-or-nothing place. Just realizing this can help break down those faulty beliefs. Living from a place that states, All the people who matter to me must love me and approve of everything I say and do is not rational. The other side of that equation is everybody and everything should be better than they are. And if they aren't, it's a bad thing. We can't live from this on or off switch. If the switch is on, then we are good. Others are good and life is good. If the switch is off, then everything is bad. We're bad. Others are bad and life is bad. Life is three-dimensional and much more complicated than a simple switch. Was I bad for cutting my bangs too short? I was just six years old. Was my mom bad for cutting it even to fix it? She was just doing her best under the circumstances. Was life ruined for me at that young age? Okay, this example might feel insignificant for our topic, but maybe its simplistic nature will help peel away the senseless beliefs that we layer thick enough in our minds that then disrupts how you think and behave. Don't fall for these irrational statements either. When things are tough and I'm under pressure, I must be sad and there's nothing I can do about it. It's okay to be sad, but believing that there is nothing you can do about it is false. Nothing is permanent. When faced with the possibility of something unsafe or dangerous happening to me, I must obsess about it and make frantic efforts to avoid it. Living from fear does not serve you in the least. There are ways to overcome this paralyzing place, like learning to use the what-if technique. This hypothetical question can reveal alternative actions or meaning. Either you say it out loud or you write it down. So what if this unavoidable thing happened? What would be the worst possible outcome? I'll plug in how I felt with my firstborn for now. Just because I'm talking about birth, I hope I don't lose my male audience. I'm talking about a male boy, if that helps any. And let's face it, you guys have all got a mother who gave birth to you. I won't go into any explicit details. This is good for those that are good at catastrophizing, like me. I had toxemia and I had to stay in the hospital for close observation at 33 weeks. When the doctor came in and said that we needed to deliver the baby today, I was good with that. I was more than ready to see my sweet baby and I was sick of laying in the hospital bed. After the day went by and the Pictosin had not put me into labor, I immediately said, I don't want this to end up in a C-section and I began to fret over it. At one time, I was like, I've gone through hell this week. At least I deserve a natural delivery. Let me remind you, this was my first child and giving birth was scary as it was. Here I had been on bed rest for at least a month and now I was in the hospital being pumped with meds that were there to prevent seizures and they seemed to only cause headaches. It wasn't pleasant. To me, a C-section was the worst thing that could happen. I mean, that meant surgery. 
and my baby was already six weeks early. So he was going to be a preemie. As you list what you fear most, you then ask, what is so awful about this? As the worst case scenario is thought about, it exposes the weak reasoning to the dramatic script that we create. As I thought about having a C-section, I realized that what was most important was that my baby was safe. Could I live with this outcome? I had a longer recovery, but it would all work out. There are additional questions that could be asked when your worst case scenarios are more unrealistic. Then you ask, how likely is this to happen? Could having a C-section prevent me from having any more children? No. Heck, you can schedule the day you want to have birth. There comes a point where you can mentally accept that things might not go as you had hoped, but they won't be as catastrophic as you originally thought. Even though I had a C-section, I lucked out and I didn't have another one again, and I've had four children. Here's another irrational thought. I must be a high achiever and succeed at everything I do, or I will be worthless. Your worth is never at risk. It's whole and complete like a seed. Here's another one. I mustn't ever get angry or frustrated. If I do, then I am a bad person. This goes for those we love too. We can't slip into believing they shouldn't get angry or feel frustrated. My husband has reminded me that he has the right to feel this way just like I do. Unfortunately, it's easy to think others shouldn't feel that way. We are all going to feel a big array of emotions. That's part of being human. These different emotions permit us to then be empathetic, but we don't want to believe that our pasts should dictate how we feel or what we do. We need to give ourselves permission to evolve and improve. Remember my eighth podcast when I mentioned how hindsight allows us to be able to do that, improve, correct mistakes. We don't have to function from our six-year-old selves. I'd much rather be the mature adult. We must first be made aware. What's that saying, I can't fix what I'm not aware of? Hopefully this episode will help you take a look at the rational beliefs that might be the philosophy ruling your life. Now I'll read a few more defeating philosophies that come from a perfectionist mindset. I bring them up so that you can learn about them and then address them. I battle with these paradigms as well. I'll read the rational paradigm and then I will give a simple reason why it's a faulty statement. I must not forgive myself if I have fallen short of anything I've wanted to achieve. Just because I've made a mistake doesn't make me a mistake. People will never accept me if I am flawed or if I'm vulnerable. We are all flawed and vulnerable in some way. You aren't the exception to the rule. I look ugly because I'm not at my ideal weight. I'm ugly because I don't have the same outfits as those around me. I'm ugly because I have facial blemishes. Man, I subscribed to that one in high school and it's definitely carried over into other versions as an adult. It's easy to let a certain body image rob us of living fully. But why do we let it? It's necessary to rid ourselves of limited beliefs that don't serve us or those we love. Ask yourself, how does this philosophy or belief make me feel? Questions invite us to reflect. So if helplessness or hopelessness is the result, it's time to take back the power. There's nothing in life that is permanent or permanently lost. 
We have control over our attitudes, our actions, and our bodies and our minds. Learning new strategies will expand our vision and enlarge our understanding, like evaluating our thoughts with a written cost and benefit analysis. What does it cost you to think the way you do? What are any of the benefits that come with this belief? Write it all down. This allows you to see things from a different, more objective perspective. Practice new philosophies and beliefs that will encourage you to expand and believe in yourself. This will be more empowering to you and others. You can carry index cards that state a more enlivening belief. Read it often and let it sink in. So when your mind slips into the old way of thinking, you'll be alerted to this breach. Hopefully, this episode was as much of a revelation to you as it was to me when my mom said, you did that. Take control of your life by taking control of your thoughts and your beliefs. Thanks for joining me. Creativelyanddeliberately.com Thank you.